You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Monday morning and welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and joining me right next to me, the caddy on my bag, I got my boy, Drizzy Drake Rogers, coming at you live from Deerfield Beach. Drizzy, how we doing, man? I'm not in Deerfield Beach, bro. I've told, told you it was like 5000 God, who the hell cares? At least I don't say Miami anymore. It's close enough. Continue. No, I'm from Coconut Creek, Florida. It's a vast difference. I hate Deerfield Beach. That's my rival high school. Same thing with Pompano. I hate that. It, it would be like if I said, hey, you're from Gainesville. Oh, it'd be like more like if you said I was from Thomasville, Georgia, which is like close enough to North Tallahassee. Or but you don't you hate Gainesville more than Thomasville, Georgia? Well, yeah, but it doesn't. That's the, that's, that's you don't get not. to just pick a city you hate. I'm not saying you're from anyway. All right, whatever. Sorry. What? At least I tried. All right. Points. Mm-hmm. Points for. Uh, we'll call that a grenade, right? You get points for almost. So anyway, oh, man, you know we don't have a a, a a firm plan for today. So Drake, can I? I know it's not your favorite thing, but can I start with golf? Can we just because it's topical and it's on my screen? No, go right ahead. Cool. So, folks, uh, y'all know that Locked On Seminoles was kind of first. We really were. We have been blazing a trail for all of you, our loyal listeners. You know, y'all come here for, I don't know what you come here for. We're not maybe the best at anything, but I like to think that we're the most well rounded and thus probably in the aggregate some of the most entertaining and we appreciate that but you know we've been the first we've been really leading the charge on the bryson DeChambeau brooks kepka feud i don't even really let's call it a feud i guess a feud would imply that there's two sides and there there could be some you know rightness on either on each side and maybe there's kind of a this this is basically just bryson DeChambeau's a little bitch and i like to talk about it because it's hilarious to watch brooks kepka um you know poke at him play with that prod and you know the best way to deal with someone who's just a huge crybaby drake is is not to just not to not to argue with them not to tell them they're being a huge crybaby it's just to beat them with performance to do better than them and make them look foolish. So last weekend at the U.S. Open, Brooks Kepka, he did that. We talked about it last week. He came pretty close to another U.S. Open trophy. Didn't quite get there, but he finished out really strong. While Bryson DeChambeau just utterly collapsed down the stretch because he's an inferior golfer and he's mentally weak. This was on display again this week. And I'll tell you what, it made me super happy. So Florida State at the Travelers Championship, which the Travelers Championship isn't a major or anything like that, but it is a reputable tournament. It's a it's a more well-known, you know, more well-known tournament. Florida State actually had a pretty good showing. So it wasn't just Brooks Kepka. We actually had a, a lesser-known Florida State golfer got into the lead at one point. Uh, Drake, it's a guy I haven't actually heard of before named Hank Lebiota or is it Lebioda? Harry, like Harry Potter reference. Yeah, it was. There. I'm glad you picked up on it. Anyway, 2016 Florida State graduate Hank Lebiota. Got to give a shout out to him. He took 
uh, the lead at one point today, and then he had three bogeys on the back nine. He did not finish that strong, but you know he finished at minus ten, tied for fifth, and also at minus ten, tied for fifth. Brooks Kepka. Now I started this by talking about Bryson and saying he's mentally weak because I believe that. And right, Brooks on the other hand just just has like a he ha- dude he has like a second gear. Like there's like I I said this today to my father. I said. I think Brooks Kepka is one of the few people who would have made more money had he not gone into sports because he has that gear that like only the top 1% of the 1% have of like high level CEOs, people that cut crazy deals and do big business. We're like, when there's more pressure on and there's more odds against him, he performs better. And what I mean by that is you look at his record, right? He has, at one point had almost as many major wins as he did total wins in other tournaments. I I still think that gap's not that big. And we look at his scorecard from this weekend. So Brooks shot a 69 on the first day. Nice. 67 on the second day. And then another 69. It looked like, you know, he, he might be out of it, not out of it, but he was, he wasn't like going to win this tournament. And today, when it's Sunday, it's it's the final day of the tournament. He comes roaring in with a five under to get to tied for fifth, turns in a great card, while Bryson DeChambeau, who, again, not as mentally strong, shot a 69 on day one, 66 on day two, 68 on day three, and then shot even par on day four to stay all the way back at tied for 19. Now, if you didn't keep all those numbers in your head, I don't expect you to. The point I'm making is that Brooks does the best in majors, but even in non-majors, it tells you the mentality of the athlete that Brooks has his best day on the day when it's all on the line, while Bryson has his worst day on the day when it's all on the line, when they both started in similar positions. And Bryson might have even been in a better spot to win the tournament had he performed the same, or no, I guess, wait, so if he'd gone five under, yeah, he would have beat Brooks by two strokes if they'd shot the same score today. And he would have, he would have been in a tie for third. Uh, yeah. So it just, it just tells you what kind of athlete they are. And I just, I don't know. I love the proof being in the pudding that Brooks is right. Bryson's a little crybaby bitch. And it's a great thing we're Florida State fans because, you know, we get to cheer for Brooks Kepka and don't have to cheer for that weirdo scientist loser. Now, folks, the good news is in pretty much every state in the union, except like, I think Utah, but check your local laws. Don't, this isn't legal advice. I don't have a law degree. Can't give you legal advice. You're now allowed to wager. Uh, the Supreme Court said that sports betting couldn't be contained to Nevada. And thanks to federalism, it no longer is. So your state will decide how they're going to handle it. Point being, if it's legal in your state and you want to liven up the Bryson Brooks feud, Put a little money on it next time. In fact, Drake, did you see the clip of Brooks this week where he was walking from the practice green and some kid goes, Brooks, Brooks, let's have a day, Brooksy. I'll put a hundred bucks on you. Brooks Kepka doesn't break stride, doesn't look at the kid, just like putter in hand, walking, doesn't miss a beat. I got a hundred bucks on you. That's it. Just doesn't, like that's, that's his response. I love the confidence. And sure enough, pops a five under today and almost gets a W. Ties for fifth so he can buy that beautiful fiance of his something nice, which I'm sure he does after every tournament. And folks, if you want to get in on the action, go to betonline.ag. They're a longtime sponsor of the program. They're great, good interface, great lines, great odds. They have uh, props on all kinds of random stuff. So 
betonline.ag. Check it out. Make an account and use promo code locked on to get a welcome bonus where they'll give you some free money to put on Brooks Kepkin next week, at which point it'll probably pay dividends. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Now, speaking of betonline.ag, Drake, I want to re redo a segment I did with Dave, but with you and do, you know, sort of, we do sort of the line of the day. We didn't do it today during the, during the read, because I just wanted to keep making fun of Bryson DeChambeau and, and, and help our listeners win some money, of course, but betonline.ag did release their game of the year odds. If you weren't listening to our episode last week, well, a, you are forgiven. I'm going to need you to listen to two additional episodes you haven't listened to, three Hail Marys, and uh, we'll see in confession next time. But you're forgiven. Drake, uh, a game of the year line, which I know you know this, but I'm talking to you because I can see you, is when they essentially, the books will look at a bunch of games that they think will be marquee games that will bring in a lot of action, and they set lines for them way, way in advance. What's cool about game of the year lines is while it does tie up some of your working capital, it, it lets you, you know, get some value. I mean, there are some things that are going to change between now and when foot hits leather the first weekend. And some of these games folks are out in October and even November, a lot's going to change between now and then. So you can get a ton of value, but Drake, I want to, I want to ask you about a couple of these and just, we don't have to, you know, I know I'm coming at you cold, so don't need a ton of deep analysis. I just want to know how you're feeling about it, you know? Go right and, ahead, man. I'm ready. And, I got, I got maybe, right now on my screen. Maybe you, can, maybe you can tell our listeners, you know, if it wouldn't make sense to bet on this. Like, would there be value in betting now? Like, also, do you think there'll be a big line move? So I, I want to start with – I won't start with the same one. I gave, I gave Dave a layup. I'm going to give you a tougher one. Georgia Clemson. Georgia's at plus three and a half. Clemson's at minus three and a half. They are juicing those odds a bit with, with the VIG, which if you're new to sports betting, I won't bore you with what that means, but it means the spread is different. And again, folks, sorry to give you so much introduction, but just for all of our listeners, point spread's very simple. If you pick Clemson at minus three and a half, you are saying they would have won the game with the final score being what it is, had they started with negative three and a half points. So if they win by if they win by three, you lose the bet. If they win by four or more, you win the bet. Pretty simple. Drake, how do you feel about that line? Clemson minus three and a half. Georgia obviously plus three and a half. Uh, I personally think Georgia wins this game. So I think Georgia plus three and a half actually right now is actually a solid pick, and actually would take that now. I think the closer we get to that game, a lot more people are going to be probably in the same mindset as me taking Georgia so then it's going to go down to plus three maybe plus two and a half so you might as well be a pick him at that point so I would honestly take Georgia three and a half right now as soon as possible okay I think I think that's a that's a good way to look at it so in these game of the year odds what you want to look at is what might move the line and then find value there when applying it to what you think would happen so Drake let's use this as an example and again we don't have to go into to crazy crazy deep depth but yeah. What do you think might move that Georgia Clemson line? Do you think it'll just be action coming from the the streets and the sharp money? Or do you think, or, or does, um, do you think like the Georgia quarterback race, more clarity in that might move the line a well, little bit? Or? George, well, I see typically speaking when it comes to like stuff like that, that's always what determines with a line movement, like case in point, like any, like I think if you look towards Tennessee, Florida, 
you can definitely see that at that point of the year, there's going to be a QB controversy because I don't think Florida's going to come out really well with Emory Jones starting the quarterback. The problem with Georgia Clemson, both of them have their established QBs. Georgia has JT Daniels. Clemson has DG Wongalele. And to me, mainly the movement is going to be because plus three and a half, Georgia is a sleeper pick for a lot of people that actually they can finally get it right because I think Curry's has finally found his quarterback. So to me, like plus three and a half is something you jump on right now because that's going to move towards being maybe like a plus three or plus two and a half. So I would just jump on that right now. So it's mainly going to be action that dictates this line movement. Can I ask you this though? Because I, I did give you, I only gave you one choice of game looking at all these lines. Don't tell me, don't go through and tell me which one you'd pick, but would this be a line that you would even see value in? Or was this one that for you might, might be worth risking losing a half point to wait until closer to the season to bet on. I would just jump on this now. I just think it's worth it. I think, I think this is a really good value for the pick. And honestly, the, I've been saying on a Lockdown HC podcast with Candace too that I think Clemson's going to have kind of a smaller, like a downer year. I think they're, or like, remember how Oregon, we saw that game and that's how, like, we've been, you know, going down ever since. Yeah. That to me was Ohio State against them. That to me was almost verbatim the same thing. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we'd had to open the next season against Alabama. Although I guess it couldn't have gone worse. Yeah. Gosh, what a time, man. I just, yeah, that is one of those games that you look back on and it's like, you know, you talk about the butterfly effect. A butterfly flaps its wings and the whole world is different. I wonder how different is Florida State football right now had a pass interference been called in the end zone when we obviously had, you know, we should have gotten the ball on the two-yard line right before halftime, would have punched it in. I know for a fact we would have punched it in. I, You know, again, it's maybe something different happens, but I just think, that's that's just one of those that will always for me be a moment of what does the world look like if something as simple as a referee clearly and I I'm sorry I know we're not supposed to bash other programs and I'm not bashing Alabama but clearly that was an Alabama call and if Alabama fans don't think they get a lot of Alabama no calls throughout the year they're they're smoking on some better stuff than what's currently legal in the state of Florida for medicinal use. That that's you know what I mean. That's just such a funny little moment that one of those things where you can really quantify of like what if that flag hits the ground? How different is the trajectory of Florida State? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm on the camp that I still think we lost that game. I think Alabama sure. was just the better team the entire year, and I'm also the a mindset that I think Jimbo was already like. His foot was already halfway out the door, especially with, you know, all this personal stuff going on, allegedly all the stuff with, you know, the team was not coming down. The roster was, you know, kind of starting to fester. You had the APR problems coming out. Because if you, were, if you remember specifically, Taggart's first year, we were like two points away from an automatic bowl ban, regardless of our record. That's right. So that's to me, yeah, I mean, that's a kind of way to think about it. Because like, we kind of could have, like, we were in that game. I still think we lost, but it definitely could be a what-if moment. And maybe if we do win, Jim's like, hey, maybe, you know, I have something here. But I just don't think he thought the same way. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock in that, but that's nothing. That's something, you know, that you can you can think that way. I think, you know, it's not out of their own possibility. So, yeah, I just – that's kind of my thing, man, is, is I can't help but feel like in that moment of – you know, because I, I – well, I think there's another side too, right? UCLA doesn't come back on Texas A&M. That job – maybe doesn't open up that year, but it's, you know, we've now found out from everyone. It's, it's very well known, but it's, it's again, now well known that as soon as UCLA came back from what a 20 point deficit in the second half on Texas A&M, 
the powers that be in College Station decided Kevin Sumlin was fired. And they very quickly had one name on their board. They reached out to Jimmy Sexton and he was, he was told, yeah, he's interested. And I wonder again, if Jimbo has finally taken down his white whale, that is Nick Saban, right? How many Saban disciples have beaten Saban that would, you know, and then Frenchie's not hurt or even he, he loses a close one and Frenchie's not hurt. I wonder if, I don't know. And, and you're right about the APR stuff and we can move on and, and finish up with recruiting. But I, I I don't, you know, I do think that Jimbo had that characteristic that a lot of successful people have where his confidence sometimes could become borderline delusion. I don't know if Jimbo was as aware of those problems as he should have been to, in the sense that if he was, you know, looked like he had a team that could make a run at a title, he would have been all still looking for the exit door, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, I didn't think he ever wanted to stay at Florida State to begin with, because if you remember, I think, what, not the year prior, but two years, like, earlier, LSU was reaching out to them after Les Miles got fired. I think he's been trying to find a way out of Florida State, you know, ever since, ever since the national championship, and then when he didn't want, didn't get the money he wanted, you know, for the FOF, after we had just built another practice facility, and to me, He's always going to go wherever Scott Woodward is at. Scott Woodward is the AD that hired him over at Texas A&M. And now, yeah. actually, the year after he got to Texas A&M, he's now at LSU. And if you all are paying attention right now to what's going on with LSU, Coach, oh, Coach Orgeron is being, I think, named in that uh, sexual assault allegation claim where like, his entire coach staff like, knew about what was going on. So I don't see Coach Orgeron being there very much longer. And if you remember Jimbo's contract at Texas A&M, there is no buyout, so he can leave without repercussions to the school. So, to me, if he doesn't do the same thing he's done this past year with Texas A&M, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves over to the SEC West and coaches over at LSU. So, I just don't think – I think he's always wanted that job to begin with, and I think he's going to finally be able to have the um, opportunity to get it. So, See, I, I agree and disagree, right? I completely agree about the LSU thing. I, I think Jimbo wanted to go to it. I think there was a specific school Jimbo wanted to go to. I think he wanted to go to either LSU or Alabama. I think losing Frenchie and the recruiting, like losing that game, I and frankly, just the money that the the oil barons of Texas A&M were throwing at him made him take, a, what would we say, like a connecting flight. So I, I agree with you. I do think his long-term plan was never Florida State. But I think he wins that game. We get him for as long as Orgeron is at LSU. And then, yeah, we eventually... I, that was my thought, at least. I always, I always had, I had accepted in my mind we were always going to lose Jimbo Fisher to LSU, like that was just or Alabama. That was just kind of, I don't know. That was always my opinion on it. And seventy-five million dollars over ten years is a heck of a lot of money. And yeah, this season ain't going so great, and we really don't have anyone lined up to come in at quarterback that's going to save us for the next three or four years. And I also didn't get the facilities I want. Yeah, I'm out. I'll see you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that ESPN article did a little bit too much of the, you know, oh, woe is me, Jimbo. I think a lot of it was too much Jimbo apologism. I, yeah, I exactly. I think it was basically to me, it was a little more of the 50 50. Yeah, I th- think our administration, especially with boosters now, which is much better. But I think the boosters try to do the uh, the whole mom and pop type of thing. You know, like, hey, we're not going to spend all this damn money, you know, for these all these resources, you know, to keep up with the Joneses. And we saw the, how that affects us in 2013 and like we're still the only one of the few power fives that doesn't have an fof fau 20 minutes from my house right I know. now I know. has one 
And yeah. that's literally, it's a recruiting tool. And if you don't, if you know, if you don't think that way, like, you know, you need to spend money to make money. You need to spend money to win games. And that's how it works college football. It's a business at the core of it. So join the boosters folks. We say it all the time, you know, and let, let me pull us out of this depressing spiral. If you're listening to this going, Oh man, I'm bummed out. And it's Monday folks. We're going to talk about recruiting in just a second. And that will have us riding higher than those Alabama fans that think that the refs are not in their back pocket. But before we do, I, I just I want to I want a phrase I haven't used in a while. Put a bow on this because I think it's important, Drake. We will dive deeper into this at some point because it's a conversation that is fun to have, that needs to be had, that really needs to be understood. What matters for right now, though, is we have the right guy at the helm of the boosters that understands all these things, but he can only do with what he's given. So, folks, if you're not a booster, Give them a call, sign up. I'm not going to tell you how much to donate. That's between you and your finances, but do something. You know, they're, uh, uh, do I want a good cop or bad cop? I'll go bad cop today because it's Monday and why not? Folks, we have like 8,000 active boosters. Virginia Tech has 25,000. Give me a f- break. Virginia Tech should not have 175% more boosters than we do their sports programs are an absolute joke all right they had like three decent football years sprinkled across the past three decades the thing they're best known for at virginia tech is beamer ball which is blocking punts like what if that's what your school is most known for in the football arena is blocking punts or whatever the hell beamer ball is i think that's what it is you, we should not have a hundred, they should not have 175% more boosters than we do. Let's close that gap. Meanwhile, we're over here sending two women to the Olympics and soccer for different countries. We've got like five swimmers for various countries going. We've got a track athlete now going to the Olympics. We just had two top five finishers in one of the biggest non-major PGA tournaments. We got Johnny pack is out there on the PGA. Now we got, Guys in the MLB, we got guys in the NFL, don't have anyone in the NHL, but you know, we'll see about that. We got Terrence Mann having the game of his life out there and single handedly taking the Clippers to their first ever conference finals. And you're telling me Virginia Tech has 175% more boosters than we do? That's ridiculous. Join them, folks. And after you do that on your computer, go to builtbar.com and get some built bars. I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be a big weekend, folks. Fourth of July. I don't know what you got planned, but whatever you do, Built Bar is going to be your friend. If you got the kids running around, you may need a little snack, and it's not always easy to get away. You know, you may not have time to go make something. So, you know, grab a Built Bar. If you're going to be with the homies and you're going to be having an absolute blast like me and Drake are planning to do, well, you may not have time to go grab a snack. So grab a Built Bar. If you're going to be in charge of the grill and your wife and her family are very particular about how their things are grilled and it's a high pressure situation, don't go into that hungry, but you may not have time to grab a snack. So grab a Bilt Bar, BiltBar.com, locked 15 for 15% off. Y'all already know what it is. Buy them now. Thank me later. All right, bro. So I promised I'd let you get out of here in a reasonable amount of time tonight. I know that you've got a big week ahead of you. And folks, just to give you all a heads up, we love America and we love celebrating the 4th of July. And we'll talk about this on later episodes, but 
Fourth of July has always been my holiday. And since I graduated college like six years ago, I have never had a Fourth of July where I was not either in another country dealing with work stuff or had my daughter. This is the first time in over half a decade that the stars are aligning and I'm very, very excited, but as excited well, I get to that in a second. Uh, so we will have shows all week, though. We're here for you all week. We're gonna be we're gonna be bringing the energy. I promised y'all the energy last week. In fact, we didn't publish an episode due to lack of energy. And I told myself, Drake told himself, and Dave told himself, never again. So the energy will be here all week. We're getting ready for a huge holiday weekend. But as excited as I am about that, and the two cases of Miller Lite, one case of Mick Ultra, four cases of Bud Light Seltzer, five cases of High Noon, bottle of vodka, and bottle of tequila that I bought for the festivities today at Publix. I was almost just as excited. Yeah, exactly. I was almost just as excited by the news that rolled in this weekend. I mean, Drake, you're like, I don't know, I Moses at this point, maybe. I think I think you and I kind of played like an Abraham and Moses type role a little. We We told the people primarily Dave, but we told the people, we said, folks, I know Midnight Madness happened on June 1st, but we were not dealing with, you know, like a quick transaction. Like these kids have waited all through COVID. They're going to take a little bit of time, but this, this purchase will pay dividends and Drizzy tell the people what their patience has won them. What were we given? In the words of, LeBron James. We got not one, not two, not three. Well, we got four commitments over the weekend, and they're all at business of need, specifically in the trenches. And as you know, football games are won in the trenches. We got two offensive linemen, one of which is the one that Max and Day spoke about on the last episode before this past Friday with Quayshawn Sapp, who actually was going to commit July 3rd, but you know what, Max? I think you know you have a great analogy for this one. He was how would you, how yeah. would you go about this? Yeah, so I, I I don't you know bring this up too much, but as a former fraternity rush chair, I can tell you that the minute someone sits on their bid, your goal is to get them to sign that card before they say they're going to. So this was the equivalent of him telling Alex Atkins, thanks for the offer. You're in my top four. I'll let you know July 3rd. Atkins basically said, Okay, why don't you just come to the bar with us? Got him there. Got the big card signed that night. I mean, seriously, though, all frat references and jokes aside, that's huge, man. I mean, I think that that to me is the biggest part of this whole thing was you get named in a kid's top four and then you get him to not only pick you, but commit to you an entire week early. That to me shows a lot of recruiting skill. And I'm I'm really impressed by what Alex Atkins was able to do there. Yeah, to me, it shows Alex Atkins actually, you know, he's, he's earning his paycheck. I mean, basically, he's the one that's been flipping and turning over the entire offensive line since he got here. And he's been nothing short of probably the best person on this entire staff. And like I think we've said it before on this podcast, he's going to be the, he's the OC in waiting once Dillingham, you know, goes off to like Arizona State or in Arizona, you know, to be the head coach there. And with Quayshon Sapp, like, yeah, I was going to commit a week later and like, I was one of those kids that, you know, got my bid and then, you know, I went out, but then I sat on it and left the day. It's really hard to convince someone to be like, you know, right here, right now, just give me the yes, give me the confirmed yes. And he was able to do it. He also picked up a Kanaya Charlton, who, again, folks, he is a three-star offensive lineman. He's a little bit outside the top 1,000, but check his tape. It's a good size. He's listed at 351. I think he weighed in at 335 actually at the Moore Center. So he's actually already lost 25 pounds. He's going to be losing that weight. 
got really good hands, quick, solid feet. Needs a little work with his hips, but once you know you come actually to FSU to be able to work on that. And then finally, Odell is on the board. Odell actually was able to get a defensive lineman that we've been trying to ask for for the entire time. Bishop Thomas, to me, he's going to be one that gets a little bit of a bump. He's one of those kids that, you know, I think doesn't camp as much as the rest of them. And with his high three-star right now, he moved to a four-star. And then Travion Williams, that's another kid that just – I am just – I am actually just stoked and ecstatic to see these – you know, we're finally getting these trench monsters into the fold. And it was a great weekend for us. And from what I've been hearing right now, it's not over. We have kids leaving like Jaron Wallace, who I think might make the switch over. And Tavis Woody's another one. Charles, I think his name is Charles Payne, the, the quarterback. We're going to get a lot of kids coming in soon, and uh, it's rolling right now. We said to wait. I said, you know, we'll start freaking out by the first week of July. So the end of June, we got four. I will see maybe three to four more next month. So the fireworks are flying, dude. The fireworks are flying, folks. Just to give you a quick little synopsis of what just happened, like Drake said, we got four recruits all four in the trenches. And if you want some high level numbers, cause I know y'all I know y'all love your numbers. We got one of those in the top 300, two of those, well, three total, but you know, two others in the top 500 and another kid who look, when Drake says a kid's going to get a bump, the kid's going to get a bump. It's that simple. He's the number 99th player. One of the offensive linemen, 99th ranked player in Georgia right now. But Drake, I know that you were uh, one of the first ones to say that, you know the name escapes me because I'm not great with names, but the decommit who Nigel Kelly, my boy, Nigel Kelly, High, who Dillon High School, yeah, and now everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we knew, we know he's going to be a five star. You said that six months ago, so yeah, you you know when the players are going to get a bump, folks. Really exciting weekend from the Knolls. We now have this isn't like a tape skip, so don't grab your phone and check to make sure something didn't go wrong. A top five recruiting class for the first time since 2017 and the first time for realsies since probably like 2014 or 15. I know it's only June, but piss off. Like I'm going to be excited about it. Anyone that's on the timeline, it's only June. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? When your wife agreed to go on the first date with you, you were probably pretty stoked, but that was just a first date. So you know what? All marriages start with a first date. It's only June, but we're doing big things. I'm excited. America's birthday is this weekend. We got shows all week, and that's going to do it for today, though. So we'll see y'all tomorrow. I'm your host, Max. Next to me, I had Driz, and this was Locked On Seminoles. It's only June, folks. We'll take care, everybody.